Honorado Bagnardi, back on the road, live from Alpenhouse in Amsterdam. It's Chris Honorado. It's Sean Bagnardi. What a divisional round of the NFL playoffs we had. We'll get to that. Uh, major stuff to talk about with baseball's Hall of Fame election. Only one guy going in. We did a little breakout segment earlier in the week. You can check that on the New South 13 Facebook page as well. But we'll share our thoughts here this morning on no Bonds, no Clemens, but yes to Poppy. And our guest this morning is Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. The Giants introduced their new general manager, Joe Shane. Now they turn their attention to a head coach. We'll get Pat's insights on where Big Blue goes for a head coach, Bags. Yeah. How are you, man? Good, man. Okay, good. That sounds like a pretty good show. I yeah, hear this always. week they're going to play the podcast on the Ukrainian border, and they're expecting the Russian troops to just disperse. So who says we're not important, man? We are the ultimate peacemakers. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, it could probably use for some other kind of uh, contentious tactics as well by playing this podcast. But we are on Amazon Podcasts, and people are finding the audio version because they'd rather listen than look at the two of us, and I don't blame them. So by all means, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, check us out, Honorado and Bagnardi. You can even just tell your Alexa at home, Alexa. Play the podcast Honorado and Bagnardi, and she'll do that. All right, enough time wasted here in what we call the cold open. Let's get right into the show. This is Honorado and Bagnardi, brought to you by Alpenhouse. And our thanks to Alpenhouse. We are uh, at an Alpenhouse location once a month, and here we are in Amsterdam, uh, right off Route 30. Um, Pat Leonard in 10 minutes on the Giants' head coaching search now that they've officially introduced their general manager, Joe Shane, who is the assistant GM in Buffalo. So maybe all signs point to Brian Dable, the OC in Buffalo. We'll get Pat's take on that. Uh, but Beggs, what a divisional round we had. I, I don't know that it's worth rehashing right now, um, but you know how I felt about how the Packers went out. Pathetic performance. You, score, you can't score 10 points and expect to win. I don't care that the mistakes on special teams were catastrophic. You have to allow for some margin of error, and 10 points doesn't do that no matter how drastic the deficiencies of the special teams unit. Yeah, and in that game, you know, people want to make everything about the big two special teams plays, including the block field goal at the end of halftime there. But let's not forget, they shouldn't even have been in that position to be able to kick that field right. goal. Uh, so that one I kind of throw out. But yeah, man, I mean, special teams are a big part of the game, but you're right. It didn't, it didn't, it wasn't all that. And you, you, you know, even Roger said it, you got to score more points. Yes. You've just got to, it almost felt like they were playing a road game and it was like the bitter cold and everything just didn't, it just didn't seem to fit for them when I would have expected the opposite. I would have expected them to thrive better in that environment. And it just, they just never got it clicking. Seven yeah. first downs on their final six drives. Just doesn't get it done. Brenda, good morning to you as well. Thanks for hanging out. Carol's watching. Uh, we I don't know that we could say we're staying warm. We're trying. And it was great to meet Carol 
the other night when we did our show live from the bunker in Clifton Park. We got to celebrate all of our pick six vodka winners this season. Jason Palatsky is one of them as well. And so is Sam. Great to see you guys on today's show. Uh, as always, you want to weigh in, Facebook, Twitter, comment along, and uh, and we'll pop it up here throughout the show. So are you ready to quit the morning show yet? Because I, I texted you I know. in the fourth quarter. Did you think I was going to be awake? Yes. Yeah. Bill's Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, I tell you the fourth quarter, I'm texting Chris, Romo's head's going to explode. This is unbelievable. And then I realize that he's not getting back to me. He's sleeping. Uh-huh. He is missing this game. Uh-huh. You missed the, the greatest ending of a divisional game ever. One of the best playoff games of all time. And you're sleeping because you got to get up and go to work. <laughs> yeah, I packed it in around halftime. And it wasn't until 1.30 in the morning when I woke. Actually, I got up at 1 that morning. Uh, to get ready for work when I saw your text and I saw the highlights and all of it. And yeah, I'm, I'm bummed. I missed it. There's no other way to say it. I've seen the highlights enough now to feel like I lived through it. Um, but what a game, what an absolute game. It, you, if you want to share your thoughts on that game here, go ahead. I've got my Popeye's Louisiana fast minute coming up and it, it involves Bill's chief. So I'll, I'll reserve comment until later in the show. Well, the biggest takeaway for me, we like you said, we don't have to rehash the whole game here. Was was just you'll see it, you'll see it a lot of times late in a game where a team or even both teams that they they flip a switch because they have to. Not that the teams were bad the whole rest of the game or the offense were bad, but you see teams do incredible things when they just have to march down the field because they're going for it. And I think a lot of times you sit there and think. Why don't they? Where was this all game? Now they can do it in the last two minutes of a game. This, of course, was you had like three game winning drives, and then you had the 13 seconds left on the clock. Yeah. And it's like, that's what stands out to me is I know it's Mahomes. He's got timeouts. He only needs a field goal. But the defense, especially on the second play, to allow Kelsey to just go right down the middle of the field. What are you doing there? Like, how does how does that happen? And I felt bad for Buffalo. Um, but so apart from that, that game specific, the even bigger picture takeaway for me is the NFL overtime rules are broken. Absolutely broken. If, if it was ever going to prove a case in a big spot, that was it. If you don't believe it now after that game, you're never going to be convinced. How Josh Allen – and the Bills don't get a chance. And I'm not a Bills guy. I'm a Jets fan. I was rooting for Kansas City to win this game. Yep. Josh Allen, the Bills offense, deserves to be on that field, deserves to get their chance to tie that game, despite the fact that they blew it at the very end in the last 13 seconds. I mean, that, how can you say it shouldn't be one for one? Because there's – you mean to tell me if Buffalo doesn't win that coin toss, they probably don't go down and score the way things were going? And the, Maybe. Uh, okay. How do they not deserve a chance in overtime? I'll tell you later on in the show. Remember, this did happen a few years ago. Chiefs, Patriots at Arrowhead. Yep. They go to overtime. New England gets the ball. Brady leads them down the field. And and I think he converted two fourth downs on that drive. So don't I, – I don't hear about chances and fairness and all of this stuff when one half of the team can't get the job done when it's required of them to do it. But I'll – I'll go on my Louisiana fast-minute rant with the NFL overtime later on in the show. Two conference championship games that I think will be good, but you already kind of know 
probably a little bit of a letdown based on what we got out of the divisional round. It was so good last weekend. Can you really expect these two to live up to it? I don't know. No. We've got, even though we don't have a viewer this week, we do have our NFL Pick'em presented by Pick 6 Vodka and Saratoga Courage Distillery. And now, your weekly NFL Pick'em. Presented by Pick 6 Vodka. All right, our thanks to Holly and the entire team, Adam, up at uh, Saratoga Courage Distillery, where we did a live show from not too long ago. Very cool operation to see the behind-the-scenes action uh, for being part of this, and they're going to continue to be a part of this show as we do March Madness, and we'll even do a little bit of golf, but then obviously into Saratoga season as well. Here's the I mean, this is unbelievable. I've got big news for all our Amazon listeners. We got we got graphics. you got to go see. We appreciate you listening, but our guy John at the TV station, look at this graphic. I know. This I know. is next level stuff. Yeah. I got Patrick Mahomes right here. He absolutely kills it. What I and and all we do is send him an idea. Like, yeah. hey, maybe we'll try something different this week. It's in your hands. You use your creative genius. And then this is what he comes up with. Very cool. Burrow Mahomes. Uh, this one to me is the the must watch of the two. I'm I'm obviously interested in the six thirty game, but but if I can only watch one bags, it's this one for me because I think it's going to be a high scoring affair, an absolute shootout. Bengals won by two touchdowns in the regular season matchup, beating Kansas City. That was in Cincinnati. Now they go to Arrowhead. Can they hang? Can they hang in this game? The number is six and a half. Of course they can hang because Kansas City's defense isn't good enough, period, for really most quality teams to be able to hang if, they, if they're if they able to go out and, and play halfway decent. But we know Joe Burrow can do that. We know this, can, this Cincinnati offense can do that. So absolutely they can hang. I think at the end of the day, this one's probably more of a shootout. And you have to favor Patrick Mahomes at home in that kind of situation, right? I mean, didn't we just see it last weekend in a shootout? against arguably an even better quarterback and a better offense. So I you don't you want you disagree? I don't I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Okay. okay. So yes, why why would I pick against Kansas City after what I just saw? I mean if Buffalo didn't go get them, I don't think Kansas City's or Cincinnati's going to be able to. Nick says who day. We're gonna win this we go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They the okay. team going home <laughs> this week. You know what? Um, pause for more incredible graphics. Thanks to our guy, John Conlin. Uh, the NFL Pick'em presented by Pick 6 Vodka. I'm with you here on Kansas City. I think it's close. I don't have them covering the spread. I've got Cincinnati. If you're going to give me six and a half, and in a lot of sports books bags, it's seven or seven and a half points. Mm-hmm. I'll take those points and put them on the Bengals to cover, but not to win. Uh, you've got the Chiefs here by a full touchdown and an extra point for that matter. It was a 13-point game in the regular season between these two sides. Chase went for like 266 and Burrow threw for a ton of yards and touchdowns, yeah. and and it was insane. And and I, I do think the Chiefs' defense will be a little stiffer at home, but, uh, but I'm with you. I think they hold Cincinnati under 30 this time around, and that ends up being the difference because this feels like a game first to 30 wins don't you think 
Yeah, I, I do. And, and that's, I mean, I, obviously we're, we're both in the same ballpark there with our predictions on the score. We're leaning higher scoring, but yep. at the end of the day, the chiefs just, but look, if, if this one is close and it's within a field goal late or four points and it's Cincinnati with the ball last and things play out a little bit differently with just who's going to have the final possession, am I going to sit there and think that they couldn't go down and score and win the game? No. So, but, but I just feel like the way it will play out will be in Kansas City's favor. The over-under on that game, for everybody who's loving the mobile sports betting in New yeah. York, 54 and a half. Uh, we both are taking the over. Yeah. Based on that number, Matt, you did that half. quickly in your head. Yeah, I was. I, I you, you. On my hesitation, I thought, wait a minute. On my hesitation, wait, I thought, wait a minute. Was my pick? Okay, yes, that is over. Um, here's the NFC Championship game: Niners, Rams in LA. San Francisco owns the Rams lately. I mean, they have their number, and they beat them the last game of the regular season. Took overtime, a game that the Niners really kind of needed. Um, but Stafford's hot, and this Rams offense is firing on all cylinders, while the Niners kind of survived in Dallas, like almost gave that game away the way Garoppolo turned the ball over late and then barely get out of Green Bay, obviously. I mean, really almost had no business winning that game. But here they are in the NFC Championship game against a team that they play very well against. I just think that maybe the, I hate to call it luck, but some of the fortune that the Niners have been working off, I think runs out this time around. Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites. A lot of people would say, eh, you put them on a neutral field. That means the NFL thinks this thing is even. I think Stafford's hot. Feels like Stafford is is on a little bit of a revenge tour, if you will. Like, hey, he, he now has the team and the weapons that, that he's able to win with, with Cup and and Beckham and uh, Higby and the running, ba- the running game as well with Akers and Michelle. It, it just feels like this is the Rams. And, and to be completely transparent here i did pick the rams at the beginning of the season to win the super bowl so i might as well ride them here well yeah you're not going to jump off them here at the last minute no this one this is two quarterbacks who seem like they do have a lot to prove guys who are you know stafford has really been very good for most of his career and i think a lot a lot of people give him unfair criticism i think there is some fair criticism that comes along with things but a lot of people too i believe look at him and say well if he just had a better team if the lions weren't so bad and this is kind of like you say his chance to really prove that because now he has a legitimate team around him um both these defenses are pretty good so the question is which quarterback do you like better i mean come on it's stafford like you said there there have been times where feels like San Francisco doesn't belong in this postseason, whereas the Rams have – I know they almost blew it against Tampa Bay, but mm-hmm. it's not Tom Brady. And now they're playing a home game here against the Niners team that I just think they're flat out better than. So this one, not as high scoring as the AFC Championship. We're both, again, really similar here in how we see this one playing out, even on the scoreboard. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got the Rams by six. And we both are saying that this game comes under. The number here is 46 and a half mm. in the NFC Championship game. I, now I'm not so sure because it just feels like both games could be very high scoring. But I'll take the over in Kansas City. I'll take the under in L.A. thinking that maybe the Niners just don't have enough juice to uh, to push them over 46 and a what's, half. What's the better Super Bowl for the NFL? 
uh, Rams Chiefs because the star power. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll take. I would take Rams Chiefs if I'm the commissioner of the NFL. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's what we're gonna get. So you'd also get the Rams in their home building. I don't know if that's good or not for the NFL to have a team. We just had it last year for the first time. I don't know if that is beneficial to the NFL because you got a home team playing in the Super Bowl. I don't think it means more fans. You're going to get a ton of fans anyway. You don't think there's anything to the the NFL maybe wanting San Francisco because they're more of a legacy franchise and you've got that that history there and you can tell some different stories heading into the, the two weeks of in between here. The Niners. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. rematch Niners Chiefs. Garoppolo missed that throw down the middle the last time out. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think you need Stafford. You need the stars. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Pat Leonard is is hanging out and we're going to get to him next. The Giants introduced Joe Shane, new general manager. Who will the next head coach be? Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News next right here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Happiness is found in simple things. The sun on your face. Sharing laughs. At the campground. Getting wet. Relaxing together. The love of family. There's never been a better time to go outside and play. Alpenhouse Pool Spa Boat and RV. Bringing families together and creating memories since 1964. At Marcello's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You can have peace of mind that Marcella's is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, Jenner, and many more. Shop Marcella's Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. All right, Bags, let's go. Uh, breaking news here out of the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger has officially retired. Not a surprise, but it is official now that after 18 years with the Steelers organization, uh, Big Ben, a Hall of Fame career, is now done in Pittsburgh. Yeah, look, Good. I mean, it's time. I've never been a big Ben Roethlisberger fan, as you know. Yep. Um, but it was time anyway, right? So it'll be it'll be interesting to see now how that franchise can can really move on. You know, the last thing you want is somebody to stick around when you maybe want to move on, and they stick around. I mean, I think you're familiar with that a little bit. Um, so yes, <laughs> are you not the Favre crack? Huh? Okay. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a Favre. Yeah. yeah. All right. Does uh, hiring the Bills assistant GM mean that they will then hire the Bills offensive coordinator, especially after, what, 83 points in two playoff games for the Bills? And that is Brian Dable. Let's bring our guest into the conversation here. Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. Pat, you were obviously at the press conference with Joe Shane yesterday. Thanks for taking the time, man. Did you glean anything from that presser? that leads you to believe he already kind of knows who the next head coach is going to be. Thanks for, thanks for having me guys. I, I, what I gleaned about the head coaching search, it was interesting. Joe Shane got asked a question about Brian Dable and the head coaching search. 
and he brought up unsolicitedly Dable, Dan Quinn, and Brian Flores as the three names, guys he knows and, and likes. My understanding, you know, I talked to several league sources yesterday who believe that Dable is the favorite to be the Dolphins' next head coach. Now, they were expected to be the main competition for the Giants the whole time for Dable. Uh, my understanding now, it almost feels like it's heating up. I don't know if a bidding war is going to happen here, but Dable obviously has support in both buildings. But my understanding, the people I've talked to believe he's going to land the Dolphins. He coached Tua Tagovailoa in college. One interesting nugget I did hear is that if Dable were to be hired by the Giants or if the Giants were to swoop in and steal him, Wink Martindale, the fired Ravens defensive coordinator, would be his D.C. coming to New York. But taking the Dolphins job, candidates are being told in Miami that they will inherit Josh Boyer and the defensive staff there. What the Dolphins are looking for right now is somebody with an offensive mind like Dable to come in, help Tua, help the offense, and they feel like they can take off. The Giants obviously have a lot of needs, including improvement at quarterback as well. Uh, but so far, my information is that Dable is the Dolphins guy, though nothing is done as of this moment. Bags, let me just jump in here real quick on this, because Pat, just go back a few years, and the Giants missed out on Matt Rule. Um, and I don't know if that was money or if it was a lengthy contract or whatever. Is that fair to say they missed out on, on Matt Rule? It, it, would that incentivize John Mara in any way to, to maybe give Dable more of what he wants? Possibly. You could, you could react to the previous, uh, you know, cycle. Uh, that's actually part of what they did in firing Joe Judge was, you know, John Mara actually didn't want to fire Judge initially, but then, Steve Tisch was pushing for a complete blow up of the front office and head coach two years ago and didn't get it. They only fired the coach and kept Gettleman. So then the reaction this time is to blow everything out and press reset. So that is certainly possible. I do consider Dan Quinn and Brian Flores strong candidates for the Giants right now. Flores is actually interviewing as we speak in New York. Uh, you know, I've been told, I know Flores wants the Giants job. I know that. And I was told yesterday by somebody that Dan Quinn had told some people in Dallas that he's eyeing the Giants too. Now that that was just one person talking to somebody else, uh, but he's from Morristown, New Jersey. I know he has support in the building as well. And as I reported earlier in the week, the Giants were poking around down down in Dallas for his potential defensive coordinator in Joe Witt Jr. I do wonder if the Daniel Jones commitment that the GM and the and the owner made yesterday affects the type of coach they want to hire too, maybe somebody more amenable to inheriting him. That could be Quinn rather that rather than Brian Flores, who is known as a strong personality. Yeah. So Pat, as we, as we think about the who I'm curious about the, what, what do you think they need most out of the head coaching position? I mean, somebody who's going to come in and, and be different, of course, from Joe Judge. What, where is the difference there of what they had and where they needed to improve and what they really need to bring in? That's a, I think that's a great question because – so look at Brian Dable, for example. Yes, you see alignment with the general manager, which is something Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman did not have because that's how the Giants did it. It was like an arranged marriage. Dable, though, also is a former New England guy. Now, he's not known as a – taskmaster cracking the whip like a Joe Judge or a Brian Flores, but he still comes from the do your job mold. So how how much of a change is that from the from the CEO big chair running the entire team? 
that said, to answer your question, what they need most is competent offensive football. And, you know, Brian Dable, you would think, gives you that more so than whoever Dan Quinn and Brian Flores are bringing in. I don't know who Quinn and Flores' OC would be with the Giants at this exact moment. I'm actually working on that right now. I said that's a great question because that's that's <laughs> kind of where we are right now is if you're going to create the, the graph and the chart of like comparing what the best hire is, you need to know those things, right? So you're asking the absolute right questions. Uh, Gable's intriguing. I, I think John Mara and the Giants, though, they, they do need and want somebody that they can envision standing at the podium and representing their franchise and looking like a leader who's going to turn around, let's just face it, a lost franchise. Um, and so I'm not saying Brian Dable can't be that, but there are people who think that Brian Flores and Dan Quinn, as former head coaches and also with their personalities and makeup, could be that guy. Okay, Pat, you've got two picks in the top 10. What are the Giants doing here? Maybe not specific names, but what are the greatest areas of need for this team that they can address with two picks in the top 10? Offensive line, offensive line, <laughs> offensive line, right? Um, you know, and they need an edge rusher too. Like I'm, I was just thinking today, Pat Graham is actually in Pittsburgh today. So he interviewed for the Giants head coaching job yesterday. He's now in Pittsburgh interviewing for the defensive coordinator position there. Can you imagine Pat Graham sitting down with the opportunity to coach TJ right. Watt right. after what the Giants have given him at edge rusher? But so that's a huge area of need. I would expect, here's how I feel right now. I think they will use their fifth pick or their, their first pick on an offensive line. I think there's a good chance that they trade the second pick or at least look into trading back to accumulate more assets and to also maybe even accumulate more next year when they actually might be looking for a quarterback. So they still could use the two pick. I mean, Evan Neal, the, the tackle from Alabama, yeah. I would say he would be their pick, but Right now, like you, there's people mocking him number one because this isn't a stellar quarterback class. So he might not even be on the board. There's the tackle from NC State who actually could end up landing with them as well. Um, so my initial thought at this exact moment is offensive tackle, first pick, trade the second pick. But certainly a guy like Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame at safety and, and any edge rusher um, are guys they need to consider. What kind of impressions are you getting as far as what you would expect the relationship to be between leadership and the new head coach in terms of personnel decisions and how, how heavily involved do you expect the new head coach to be in deciding what kind of players come to the team and, of course, in particular, the future of Daniel Jones? Well, that's an interesting dynamic of this because – by naming Daniel Jones their quarterback before hiring a coach. Now, you know, granted in the NFL, anything can change, but John Maris sounded pretty confident, like yeah. let's put an offensive line around this guy and evaluate him for one more year. And doing so before you hire a coach seems to indicate and reflect how this operation is going to go, which is that the coach, and John Maris did say this, the coach is going to report to the GM and that's how he wants it to go. And the Giants are reacting in a sense to that at the end, the Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge relationship wasn't one at all, you know, because frankly, frankly, Judge was hired to run a process that didn't vibe with the way Gettleman was running things. And so in the end, it was there. They didn't they didn't see 
uh, things the same way. They weren't on the same page. So this is going to result in the GM being the final decision maker on all these things. Now, that can be a great thing if the person you hired, you know, has a great personnel track record, which Joe Shane does. Um, but you and I both know that head coaches, um, they want to be able to help pick those groceries, as Bill Parcells always says. So um, I think it's going to be collaborative, and that's what the Giants are saying. But certainly it sounds like the head coach is going to have to show deference to the general manager on those things. Okay. Pat, let me get you out of here on a couple of things. Uh, your picks for this weekend in the championship games. Am I picking against the spread or straight up? Just go straight up. Okay. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs and the Rams. Uh, the Rams were my Super Bowl pick preseason. I did have them playing the Ravens, though, so one for two, I guess, isn't bad. Um, Von Miller has been such an X factor to me with the Rams. I know how you guys feel, but like, I, I feel like he he looks like the old Von Miller. They basically let him rest and and turn it up in the playoffs. Um, I think that the Bengals-Chiefs game, though, will be closer than people imagine. I do think the Bengals are going to score in that game, but uh, I guess that's no – that's no breaking news after watching the Bills and Chiefs trade scores like every five seconds, right? <laughs> I had the Rams at the beginning of the season, same as you, except I had them beating the Browns. So that'll tell you where my head was in the AFC <laughs> this year. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last one, and I'll let you. Hey, well, you had Odell. You had Odell playing in the game. You had Odell right. playing. Yeah. In the game, right? oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you get out of here on this. Uh, which quarterback <laughs> won't return to the same team next season? Rodgers, Brady, or Wilson? Or you can go all the above if you want to get fun and weird with it. <clears throat> oh, that's that's a that's a great question. Um, well, since Nathaniel Hackett got hired by the Broncos, until Aaron Rodgers says otherwise, that is something that is going to heat up and be talked about every day and should be because that is not just noise. I mean, last year when he was saying he wanted it out of Green Bay and trying to force his way out, Denver was the leading contender to land him then. So now you have the GM hiring a head coach and offensive coordinator who would help him theoretically get Rodgers there. That has a good defense. And Rodgers has already acknowledged that Green Bay doesn't might not look the way it looked this year, next year. So watch for that. Um, there are people trying to read the tea leaves on Brady who think that he's finally done and going to retire based on how he's talking about his family. Nobody knows for sure. I'm going to say he retires, especially because the Bucks also are going to have to move on from some pieces and they're going to look different. Um, and then Russell Wilson, last year, Sean Payton, there was noise that Sean Payton wanted Russell Wilson in, uh, in New Orleans. Russell had them on his 14 list. It didn't happen. Now you see Sean Payton stepping away because basically because he doesn't have a quarterback and a team that mm -hmm. can win now. I think Wilson's options are reduced and that he stays, but – there are teams like the Philadelphia Eagle, I would put right at the top, that are hungry for a trade for a guy like that. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's there too. I lean towards Russ staying in Seattle, but I say watch the Eagles. Um, you know, watch watch teams with a lot of spit, uh, cap space and assets like that. Okay, so maybe two of the three on the list here, Con Bags. You got one? Yeah. Well, no, I just got one one last question here for Packwood. Give us give us one one big positive. Giants fans should be excited about moving forward. Is there one, the, the thing you're, you're most excited about for them? That's good. Um, I would say, <laughs> I would say that 
Joe Shane. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, you're making me think. So what I felt from that press conference was that Joe Shane isn't going to rattle the cage. What I hope and what's possible still is that he really means that he's going to wait a little bit before make changes, but then he's going to. Hmm. And, you know, he, he picked a great quarterback. He helped pick a great quarterback. That's probably the biggest positive that the Giants more than likely are going to be on that search. And that they have a guy in the building who was a huge part of selecting Josh Allen. And that's a fact, you know, he wasn't the GM, but he's a huge part of that. But I think, um, I think his personnel background, his ability to help assemble a roster for a Bills organization that hadn't been in the playoffs in 17 years. But um, that is all kind of conjecture at this point that it's going to turn out that way. But they certainly, I guess you talk to people around the league, they could have done worse with their GM hire. I'm worried about how much change he's actually going to affect, but there is the possibility and he has the expertise to make positive change and take him in the right direction. Pat Leonard, man, we so appreciate the time. I know these are busy times for you in between head coaches and just coming off a GM press conference. Bottom of your screen is a way to find Pat on social media, on Twitter, and on Instagram, where you get some more exclusive NFL content from him that you won't find elsewhere, either online or on Twitter. Pat, thank you, man. Uh, let's catch up again soon. I know it's uh, usually a long break between me bugging you on text messages, but uh, I appreciate you always saying yes, man. Thank you. Oh, I, no, thanks for having me, and let's do it again soon for sure, because uh, with that packet domino falling, usually a few come after that and things get rolling. So uh, look forward to it All again right, Pat soon. Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Beggs, we've got a little bit of sound from the press conference yesterday. We'll play here coming up uh, on today's show. You get a little bit of a window into what Joe Shane is thinking. As a matter of fact, I'll just do it now. Uh, here was his comment on the quarterback, Daniel Jones. There's not anybody in this building that has said a bad word about his work ethic, passion, you know, desire to win. And I think you got to have those traits as a quarterback. And the kid has physical ability. You know, he's got arm strength. He's athletic. He can run. So I'm really getting, I'm really excited to work with Daniel. And again, when the new staff gets in here, we'll build an offense around Daniel to accentuate what he does best. Okay. So does that mean drafting offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, as Pat Leonard suggested? Maybe. Look, they they put. They spent money this past offseason to try to get Jones some more weapons. Um, Galladay just couldn't get on the field. Sterling Shepard's never healthy enough to play. Barkley's not the same guy, and maybe it's because he's running behind an offensive line. I don't know. But uh, but what they tried to map out as a competent offense just didn't play out that way. No, and I, and I get what Pat was saying. I just question, though, because Daniel Jones hasn't, proven anything yet really hasn't proven that he can be the guy yeah. so if you bring in your new head coach and as you try to change the franchise from the top down and that the head coach is a big part of that and the new head coach comes in and says yeah I don't think he's the guy or I have another guy in mind then I just wonder how quick how quickly does the narrative change there and I guess we'll see um but look if they build around Daniel Jones I think he's talented enough to do to have have an impact in this league and, and be a starting quarterback in this league, so maybe they they give him this chance and then things do start to go the right direction. But I'm not convinced on him being the guy, and I just don't know that if a new head coach comes in and says the same thing, that a new GM would want to stick with that. All right, here is Shane on what he's looking for in the next head coach. 
you got to be able to lead the team. You know, I think you have to be able to put together a good staff. You know, I think it's imperative that you have coaches that have coached in the NFL that have a proven track record. Uh, I think you got to be able to develop players. You know, we have 11 draft picks. You know, it's going to be important that some of those young players may have to, you know, be major contributors for us in 2022. So the willingness to play young players. You know, I think intelligence is, is important. I think being progressive in your approach to coaching, whether it's with analytics, you know, when to go, when not to go. I mean, it's it just sounds more and more like Brian Dable is the guy, or at least he wants Brian Dable to be the guy. I think he wants an offensive-minded coach from what I'm hearing. Um, but to you know what the coach has to do? He has to win games, period. That's I get it. it, yeah. But but these are the elements that go into winning and okay. having a great quarterback. A lot of coaches can just step into a situation, they got a great quarterback, it falls into place. The Giants don't have that. I, I'm with you. I think Daniel Jones can be good enough, but he's always going to be a middle-of-the-pack QB for me. He's not, he's not going to be a top-10 quarterback in this. How season. often do those middle-of-the-pack quarterbacks win Super Bowls? Only very Trent Dilfer? Yeah, and he was – And he had the best defense ever, one of them. So – they they get to the Super Bowl. Like Garoppolo to me is a middle of the pack quarterback. He got San Francisco there. He also had a great defense. Um, they, they occasionally get there, but it's rare. And more and more, the the quarterbacks that win the Super Bowl, you got to take Brady out of it, are the guys on rookie contracts. And the Giants are running out of time on Daniel Jones' rookie contract. Two years left on that before they'd have to make a decision. They have to make a decision this offseason about his fifth year. Um, but before they'd really have to pay him significant money that might hinder what else they can do within the salary cap. Yeah. All right. How close was it this year in our NFL pick em? to one game? Yeah. You just couldn't do it in the end last week, one in three. Um, and, and it was enough to tie the viewer. If you were in a bad week, so you had your chance to go out there and, and make up the difference. You just had to go 500 to at least earn a tie with the viewer, and you couldn't get it done. Terrible. We're not going to talk about my, my numbers. It's like me punting at Lambo or something like that late in the game trying to win. All right. Uh, when we come back here on Honorado and Bagnardi, you still have the Popeyes Louisiana Fast Minute to come and the discussion on who didn't get into the Hall of Fame. We'll share our thoughts on Bonds and Clemens missing out on Cooperstown in what was their final year on the ballot. That's next year on Honorado and Bagnardi, live from Alpen House in Amsterdam. If you're overweight, if you snore, don't wait for your next physical to find out you have sleep apnea. It could cost you your job. Call Dr. Frederick Dreher at the Integrative Sleep Center for a game-changing alternative in sleep apnea treatment and get a good night's rest. Teams. Athletes. organizations. We're transforming the custom apparel industry through products and purpose. Claim your crown. Wondering what to do now that your Philips CPAP was recalled? Dr. Frederick Dreher has a safe and effective alternative treatment for sleep apnea. Just pop it in and get a good night's rest. Keep your quality of life. Call the Integrative Sleep Center today. We work with all insurances. 
And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. Our thanks to Andy Heck, Katie Osborne, for hosting us uh, each and every month here at an Alpenhouse location in the Capital Region. And um, a big thank you to all of our sponsors here on Honorado and Bagnardi as we keep this thing rolling into 2022. A full year of this show is not that far off. And let me tell you, the over-under in Vegas might have been two months. <laughs> we made it. We, we beat the over, and now we're just playing with house money. Exactly. Not a lot of it. Not a lot. No, of it. no very yeah. little. Very little. Um, all right. The, the news of the week is still this. Is it not, Bags? I know we're yeah. getting closer to the NFL weekend. And if you're watching us on my four, welcome to Saturday. Hopefully there isn't a ton of snow on the ground in the capital region with a, a storm that is difficult to predict. Um, but this, to me, still from Monday, feels like the big news of the day. Tuesday. Whoa, hello. Uh, Bonds and Clemens not into the Hall of Fame. And really... When you need 75% of the vote bags, not even all that close, these two guys. I told you on Tuesday in our immediate reaction, this surprised me. I really felt like the baseball writers were saying, you'll get in, but we'll decide when, and we'll probably make you wait to the very end. It felt like they were trending to get in at last year's numbers. And I thought, yeah, they're, they're just being difficult now with Bonds and Clemens, making them sweat it out, but they'll put them in in the final year. And again, not even all that close. Well, it didn't shock me because you're right. The trend the trend was there, but it wasn't moving quickly enough to get this thing done. Unless it was just about holding out for that last year. You know, the needle was moving, but it, it wasn't going to move enough for it to get done if it kept kind of going at that same pace. So I wasn't shocked. Um, I don't, again, as I said in our little breakout show, to me, there's just too much of a contradiction with this. And, and I think the whole system is, is dirty and just a bad way of selecting Hall of Famers. I happen to think the system got this one right because I don't think Bonds or Clemens should be in because of their so obvious steroid use. You cheat to accomplish what you accomplish and you don't get to get recognized for what you accomplished. It's that simple for me. And these guys were cheaters. Barry Bonds has set you know, baseball is more stat-driven than any mm -hmm. other sport. It's a sport mm -hmm. that focuses so much on the numbers, and it falls in love with its great statistics. And the greatest stat, the coolest stat in the sport, is home runs. And Barry Bonds ruined both of them. He ruined the career home run number, and he ruined the single-season home run number because certainly the single-season one is just never going to be attainable. Right. And the career one, I mean, you just have to play forever. So he's ruined those two stats. He doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's, it's a hall of shame for what he has done for the sport of baseball. Uh, so I'm okay with it. But this system is not right the way guys are, are selected. I think 75% is a good number. Um, I think there needs to be more of a mix in terms of diversity of who's making these picks as opposed to just the sports writers. Um, I, I don't like that Ortiz got in. Because of because he was a steroid user, so don't don't have the contradiction. If you're going to keep Bonds out because of steroids, then keep out all the other steroids users too, and I'd be okay with that. Don't say, well, Poppy, big Poppy was this big friendly guy, and everybody kind of liked him, and Bonds was this jerk to the media, and that's going to kind of play in too. No, that that's that's allowing way too many politics to come into play for me. I'm with you. I, I would not have voted for Bonds or Clemens. Um, I, I wouldn't have had a, a huge problem either way if, if they did put him in because 
My feeling is not only do I think there are guys already in who used, I think there are guys who will get in who used. Um, A-Rod got 34% of the vote. That number surprised me. I thought, this guy has no chance. He was suspended for an entire year for testing positive for PEDs. And he gets 34% of the vote. So I'm not saying he gets in eventually, um, but I don't know. It doesn't feel all that out of the realm of possibility. And maybe it's simply because A-Rod went on national TV and he apologized. And he's become a little bit more of a likable character in a That's lot of ways. That's the stuff that shouldn't matter. I, I get it. I know that. Yeah. But, but these are humans voting, right? We don't have automatic benchmarks. Yeah, if I said this guy hit 500 home runs, he's in. Only Sosa, Palmero, McGuire, and Bonds, A-Rod will be another. It's a handful now of 500-plus home run guys who aren't in, won't get in, or, or you know, 300 wins was automatic. Uh, Clemens has more than that. 354, I think, is the number. He's not going to get in. So we could set these automatic statistical benchmarks for a computer to decide this guy's going to Cooperstown. But when you've got humans voting bags, the, some of that stuff comes into play. The well, yeah. And the problem is this, the stats are w- what's wrong from steroids. I mean, Verducci had the great stat that I read that said, you know, before 1996, yeah. there wasn't a single season where you had 12 guys hit 40 home runs. The next six seasons, it happened every year. And then it hasn't happened since once the whole steroid thing blew up. So what does that tell you about the six years of the game that you can just cut out so many of the numbers there as just being fraud? I mean, that's what that's what they were. Bonds, Bonds is a great player. He might have been a Hall of Famer without using steroids, but too bad. You use steroids, you ruin the numbers, and you don't deserve to get in for that alone. So, you know, it's funny. A coworker said to me on the Bonds topic there with the numbers that he said which are unattainable at at this point right we thought 61 was crazy but you had guys hit 56 58 it felt like hey maybe and and it created that great interest in the month of september can a guy catch maris and now with bonds is 73 you know no one will get there and and there will no longer be the hype of hey can a guy break the single season home run record it's just impossible now just will not happen by the way bonds also had the 73 at no other point in his career did he hit 50 or more um and i know he got walked a ton late in his career but but still he never hit 50 or more so there's almost a 30 home run gap between his highest and next highest the other thing with bonds too is uh, you know i think baseball writers resent him for the single season but breaking hank aaron's record yeah who was such a great figure for this sport i think fans and writers resent bonds for that as well just like flying in the face of of hank aaron's not just record but his character and and cheating his way to the top there i think writers like you know we're not we're not going to put you we're not going to reward you for this and and i'm i'm okay with that yeah, people, people around our age have said, like, well, you're not even, like, acknowledging my childhood if you don't put this guy in the Hall of Fame. This guy, yeah, it was it fun while it was going on? Parts of it, just like 98, was incredible, right, when we had the home run chase. But when you look back, if it wasn't legitimate, then then how great was it? I'm going to be honest with you. 98 was fun. I did not enjoy the Bonds run. I, I've never been a big Bonds guy. I also, a few years older, I think my eyes were open to some of what 
we all kind of thought was going on and it didn't feel genuine. 98, no, I was didn't. naive enough and yeah. I got wrapped up in McGuire. And so, so three years later, we'd already been talking about Andro and all this stuff. And the Bonds thing, you know, one just felt like mm, that, something's not right here. Something's not yeah. right. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick time out here. When we come back, our Popeye's Louisiana Fast Minute, bags in the NBA, me in the NFL. We're back right after this. Happiness is found in simple things. The sun on your face, sharing laughs, at the campground, getting wet, relaxing together, the love of family. There's never been a better time to go outside and play. Alpenhouse Pool Spa Boat and RV. Bringing families together and creating memories since 1964. At Marcello's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You can have peace of mind that Marcella's is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, Genair, and many more. Shop Marcella's Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. All right, here we go, Bags. We will be live at uh, Popeye's Grand Opening in Clifton Park on Friday. So that's tomorrow if you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. That's yesterday if you're watching on my four. See how I kept the time-space continuum intact? And if you're watching on YouTube, I mean, this could be... This could be years from now. We could be on the next pandemic. We could be, who knows? Oh, boy. Yeah, that, <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Yeah. All right, uh, Popeye's a new sponsor to the show. We love having them on. Uh, love that chicken. And home of Louisiana Fast. Bags, you're up first, brother. All right, I'm going. <laughs> I was waiting for you to unmute me. Now I have the Louisiana Fest 50 seconds. All right, so I'm focusing on the Los Angeles Lakers today, man, because I got a good look at them against my Brooklyn Nets, albeit not a Brooklyn Nets squad, really, because you didn't have Kevin Durant or you didn't have Kyrie Irving, so this wasn't exactly a, an even matchup here. But this Lakers team, they've got Anthony Davis back, and I know – you're so down on this team. This is like this is a 500 basketball team, but they're not. I'm telling you right now, what LeBron James is doing at the age of 37 is as good as what he was doing at 27. They showed a stat during that Nets game that shows he was as good as what he's doing basically at 17. The guy hasn't lost a beat over the last 20 years of his career. I know what you're going to say about Russell Westbrook. But this team with LeBron and AD, and I'm going to take – I got my extra 10 seconds. I'm going to use him. They have two of the best players in all the land, and the role players are not that bad, okay? Malik Monk is a guy who can make some shots for them. Avery Bradley is a guy who's there. Dwight Howard is going to have an impact. So this is a team that when they get to the playoffs, look out. They shouldn't be sleepers. They can make some noise, a very different makeup than when they won the championship not all that long ago, right, just a couple of seasons. But they have the two big key pieces – and Russell Westbrook, I know, is the X factor. 
But if they get these three guys right, which I think is possible, look out for the Lakers in the playoffs. Do you think they might even just trade Russ before they the could. deadline? Yeah. They could. And if they go get who? A guy like what? John Wall? Maybe Wall. Yeah. So they – I mean, Davis and James are the two biggest pieces, the most important pieces. And the way LeBron is going, and if you if you just do okay with Westbrook or that Westbrook position and you have the role players there, everybody's healthy, they're going to be dangerous in the Western Conference. Here's what I learned. We had it all mapped out, people. We When we roll something like that, the, the program we use mutes the mic. I, I realized I can't do it. I thought I could, but I can't tell. It was telling me different user has to unmute the mic. So that's on you, you next time. Unmute me. It wasn't going to let me. Okay. All right. Normally you can. So I'll be afraid. Uh, but it will let me mute you. See that? Oh, you can't do that. That's, I like that feature. No. All <laughs> right. Here we go. My Louisiana Fast Minute. I have no problem with the NFL's overtime rules and period. I'm so sick of hearing fan bases with the convenient complaint of it isn't fair. The Bills scored the go-ahead touchdown with 13 seconds left and couldn't keep Kansas City from kicking the game-tying field goal. The Bills had two different leads bags in the final two minutes, and they couldn't hold it. This isn't about a coin toss and some stroke of luck leading to Kansas City winning in overtime, or what happened three years ago when the Patriots went to Arrowhead and did the same very thing. Win the coin toss, Brady leads them down and into the Super Bowl. This is about putting together the complete game and if you aren't able you have chances in regulation to win and if you can't do it there i don't want to hear about what's fair and what isn't fair the bills had opportunities to win this game they couldn't do it it comes down to a coin toss that is now on you and i'd say the same thing for the chiefs if they were crying about this overtime rule if they lost because josh allen takes it 75 yards on the first drive of overtime, and that's it. I'd say the Chiefs, you shouldn't have let it come down to a coin toss. This is the rule. You don't have to like it, but I don't want to hear you cry about it simply because your team was a victim of it. Now, if they change it this offseason, I'm good with that too. But I'm just so sick of the overreaction to this rule when we know what it is. It's not like it surprises us, Donovan McNabb going, I didn't know we could end in a tie. You know what the rule is. Keep them from kicking a field goal with 13 seconds left when they start the drive. That's it. Wow. That was the Louisiana slow minute. Uh, My opinion on this, I feel like I just want to, when I think about you, I want to like quote Joe (laughs) Biden on a hot mic from this past week. That's how, that's how I feel about you on this one. <laughs> the game is about fit. The whole idea of sports is we have these two teams. We're going to put them on a field or on a court or on a, on a ice rink. Yeah. And we're going to play within the same set of rules. It's fair. Everybody knows the rules. You go out there. Everybody's an equal chance. May the best team win. That's what we like about sports. It's rooted in fairness, or it doesn't work. I mean, that's what we love about it, is that each team has the equal chance, may the best team go out there and win. This is not fair because it isn't equitable. You can't say, 
we've got all, I don't care what happened at the end of regulation. See, that's, you become, when you start looking at is overtime right or wrong, and you start having to analyze every regulation ending, then you're missing the point. It shouldn't matter what happens in regulation. When you get to OT, it's it's a new game. It resets. You've had your 60 minutes. Okay. Where now it has to be fair from that point. And you, it isn't. It's not. You got a minute here. Now really a minute. Fix it for me. What do you change? What does the rule become? <laughs> It's, it's now single overtime. There's no clock. It's single overtime. You kick off. It's basically college, except I'm not starting a team at the whatever yard line. I'm just kicking the ball. You go. If you go down and score a touchdown, the other team gets a ball. Gets the ball. Now they can go down. If they score a touchdown, you go to double overtime. It's that simple until you have a winner. It's that simple. It's very easy to do. And so, it, okay, you know, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. You have to go for two at some point, right? But that's it. I'm team A, you're team B. I yeah. go down, I score a touchdown. You're team B, you go down, score a touchdown. My next possession, I kick a field goal. Is the game over? Nope. It's double mm-hmm. overtime. Now you kick off. If I score a field goal, we'll go to triple overtime. If I score a touchdown, we win. It's very simple. It's very simple. Uh, Jay wants to know which one of us <laughs> will stay within the minute first. I had 50 seconds and I only went over by less time than you ended up going over by for your full minute. Uh, I'm not sure the answer to that one. I hope it'll happen at some point, but, but it's possible that it wouldn't again. I, I, I do think the rule is going to change. I don't, I'm not telling you I love the rule. What I hate is the people who jump on social media and complain as if they had no idea this might be the case. No, and I get it. That's what I hate. This is the rule. Yes. Go try to win the game within the rules. You don't have to like. I agree. I, I do think they're going to change the rule this offseason. I do. Yes. The rule is the rule, and you're right, and you have to know the rule and play within the rule and ultimately accept what happens. But it doesn't mean that the rule is right. And to me, this rule is wrong, and there's just more evidence of it, including especially what happened this last week. There's no way that game should end after everything that happened. There's no way that game should end with one team going down, scoring touchdown, the other team not getting a chance to answer. Just shouldn't happen. Uh, we're both on the Chiefs. We're both on the Rams. You know our picks from this season. Uh, not encouraging you to bet, but you you understand what side of, of history you'd be on by picking against us, I'm sure. That's that's the way it has rolled on Honorado and Bagnardi this season. Hey, Friday, 10.30 live from Popeye's grand opening in Clifton Park. Thanks to Alpenhouse for hosting us again this week.